0: Hello, and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett, and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about Christmas is Christ as I comment on Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1-4. through 4. This scripture reads... Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed Him heir of all things and made the universe through Him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became higher in rank than the angels, just as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. You know, Christmas is many things to many different peoples. Okay. Because I can Okay. Christmas is many different things. Family gatherings, presents, music, cold weather, trees, decorations, special worship services, Santa Claus, time off of work, all kinds of things. And while Christmas is many different things to us in the 21st century, what Christmas really is is about Christ. Christ is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior. As we enjoy Christmas this year, let us remember what it's really about as we will see when we review our text for today. What we see about Christ is this. First, He revealed God's person. You know, seeing someone in person often changes your impression of them. People may be shorter or taller, thinner or fatter than you imagine them to be. They may have a strong or a weak handshake, or they may be nice, or they may be rude. When I was in college, I was attending a Christian conference at the old Omni Center when I was introduced to a football player who was an offensive lineman for the Atlanta Falcons. I was stunned by how big and tall he was. His hands were like catcher's mitts. I've always been a bigger than average person, but I felt like a grasshopper next to him. I mean, I know how the spies going into the land of Canaan felt now. No one ever looked God face to face before Jesus came on the earth, because if you looked upon him, you'd die. Also, God's a spirit, and you can't see spirits. He had given us the written word, but that's not the same as the living word. Jesus allowed mankind to see God face-to-face. In most careers, face-time with your boss is important to your development. Jesus allowed us to see God in our world, and when we did, we saw the brightness of God's glory. We saw the express image of His person. The old saying, seeing is believing, is true with God. Once we see Him in His glory, we will never be the same. Christ also revealed God's power. The world revolves around power. It's more prized than money because power is the ability to do work and to cause things to happen. Having a lot of money does not necessarily make one powerful, but having power allows people to acquire money. It's a fact of politics everywhere, even or maybe especially in the United States. How did Jesus show God's power? Well, He created the world. He lived a sinless life. He performed miracles, even raising the dead. He even rose Himself again after His own crucifixion and burial. So what does this mean for us in our daily lives? Well, we can see God's power, that He can do everything, and we can access that power and use that power to live our lives. Several years ago, I was scheduled to do a missions presentation during a church worship service in the morning. I was the primary speaker that day, and I arrived early with my computer, projector, and speaker, and I proceeded to install the equipment on the front pew of the sanctuary. I ran a cable for the extension cord forward to the platform and inserted the plug into a socket under the Lord's table. Everything had power, and everything was working correctly. My wife and I sat on the front pew next to my equipment and enjoyed worshiping with the congregation. That is until the offering was taken. During that evolution, I noticed that the projector and speaker no longer had any power. I observed that both were still connected to the extension cord, which still had the plug inserted into the receptacle under the Lord's table, but no power. I was mystified and chagrined. I had to change my plans on the fly and while my presentation was acceptable, it was not what I had hoped it would be. Later, I discovered that the receptacle under the Lord's table was wired into the lighting circuit of a room in the basement. When that Sunday school class in that room dismissed for worship, that light was switched off, killing power to my equipment. We just can't do work. We can't live without power. Christ also revealed God's pardon. So what do condemned prisoners on death row really need? They don't need a last meal. It doesn't no good. They don't need a stay of execution. That only delays their death sentence. They don't need a group of people outside the prison protesting the death penalty. What a condemned soul really needs is a pardon. A pardon forgives all their offenses, and it restores all their rights, privileges, and legal duties. The issue is, of course, that a pardon can only be granted by proper authority. The first car my wife and I bought was a Toyota Tercel. It was small, highly economical, and quite zippy. But it was not a strongly built car. After a couple years, we had had to have the brakes replaced, which was done by a national car care chain. This repair was expensive, but it supposedly came with a lifetime warranty, which we thought somewhat offset the cost of the repairs. Sadly, when we had to replace the brakes later in a different state, but at a location of that same car care chain, we found they refused to honor the warranty. Apparently, the branch of that chain in our previous state had violated the rules and other branches in other states refused to honor their warranties. A guarantee, warranty, or pardon is only as good as the authority who issues them. Jesus offers the condemned a pardon which provides complete forgiveness and complete restoration. There are no strings attached and He stands by His work. The only requirement is, like a Christmas gift, his pardon must be accepted before it goes into effect. We also see that Christ revealed God's provision. The writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, made a point to demonstrate God's provision for his son Jesus. He gave him a vaunted position on his right hand. He also gave him a valuable inheritance. And God also made provision for the church, his people. We are the inheritance of Christ and we know that he is an obedient son and he will be a wonderful steward of his inheritance. And in addition, God has made provision for all the world. People was God's highest creation and it's not his fault that mankind's sin has ruined the relationship between them and God. However, God loves the people He created, and He revealed a way of salvation for those estranged by their sin. Many people acknowledge that God exists. They just don't think He plays a part in their lives. The truth is, He wants to, and He's provided a way for that to take place. We only have to let Him provide for us and accept His gracious gifts. In conclusion, the most important questions we have today are these. Have we kept Christ in Christmas? Do we focus on who Jesus was and is? Do we remember the difference that Jesus has made in our lives? The only healthy answer to those questions is yes. And the only acceptable answer to those questions is yes. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.